Crime Wave, a Canada West anthology published by Sisters in Crime Canada West, is now available for pre-order on Amazon. Crime Wave features stories by K. Al Abramson, J. E. Bernard, Alice Bienia, Marcel Dubay, Deborah Henry, Winona Kent, Charlotte Morganti, and Marilee Robson. I love getting books for Christmas. They make great gifts. Now, as I used to say in my fitness class, let's do this. Hello there, my fellow sophisticated creatives. Welcome to JCV Art Studio from the dressing room. This is episode five. My name is Joanna and I am your host. Thank you for joining me and Ozzy, who is also in the studio. The Ozman may be a little edgy. On a run, he saw two witches and a vampire running around in the neighbor's yard. Then he saw a 7-foot ghost and a 15-foot blow-up Frankenstein. And Frankenstein did him in and he lost his mind. So, the Ozman, he's with me now, relaxing beside me. Today's podcast is about writing and setting the scene. Before we get into this discussion, a few observations. My podcast has been going through some growing pains. This is a good thing. But as I was preparing questions for next week's guest, Mr. Brian Richman of Blue Devil Books, one question I wrote was, what is the goal of Blue Devil Books? And I started thinking about my podcast. What are my goals? And that's why the slight name change this podcast is now known as JCV Art Studio from the Dressing Room. I want to give authors and artists a platform to talk about their books or their art before they go on a book tour or launch an art show. I want to be the first stop on their schedule. Consider our talk, a dress, rehears a dress rehearsal, a place where you can try out your answers. Hence, the name Dressing Room came to mind. So today's topic, it's called Setting the Scene. I'll be giving you a seven-minute reading from a 
partial scene in my novel, The Unraveling, and then we're going to dissect it. Now, first thing, when, when I write a scene, I do this exercise, maybe not at the very beginning, but I'm, because in the beginning, I'm just trying to get the scene down on paper. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking of the five senses. I didn't say story and I didn't say plot. I write in scenes. So using the sequel to the unraveling as an example, I wrote that novel walking over the Johnson Street Bridge to and from my provincial government day job. Only after about 15 scenes, only after I had written about 15 scenes, that I knew I had to start threading them together into some sort of a plot line. Um, just so I could also keep track of, of where I was going. Now I see a plot line kind of like a firefighter's hose, okay? That hose is heavy, it's filled with pressurized water, and several firefighters need to hold that hose to support it. Okay, my scenes are firefighters, okay? Now an interesting thing happened when COVID hit. I'm now working from home and I'm not walking to and from work. What do you think happened to my writing? Ta-da! <laughs> it stalled. It stalled. I was missing that walk. I mentioned this to my sister who writes, and she told me that the late Ruth Rendell, author of numerous crime fiction novels, mysteries, was reported to have and now I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, to have written or figure out her novels as she walked to and from the House of Lords. I then Googled, because that, that's what we do when we, we want expert advice, right? No. But anyways, I Googled to see if any other writers did the same thing. And I was surprised to see, to learn, that Virginia Woolf, Charles Dickens and Robert Louis Stevenson were all avid walkers. Okay. So just let's we'll back up a bit here. I'd say around the fourth read through of my novel, I'm now scribbling down the five sense senses not sentences, the five senses above the chapter title. So taste, touch, scent, sight, and sound. Okay, so this is what I do. And I will try to use as many of those senses as I can in that chapter. Now, my seven-minute reading is from chapter six. It's titled Norman. And I want to see what senses you pick out. In the scene prior to this one, I just want to give you a bit of a background here. My heroine, Jade, 
is with a previous boyfriend, Osmond, and they're trying to find a lawyer she used to work with. And this lawyer is rumored to have become a street person, and he's hiding from the society in Fantan Alley. The society is a vigilante justice society. They take the law into their own hands. They're made up of lawyers and judges and police. Okay. Now, the, the idea for the society came to me from working in the prosecutor's office and seeing my, the lawyers, their reaction when the words law society was mentioned. Okay, so here we go. My, my reading, like I say, it's not long. It's only about seven minutes. All right. And um, that out now, <laughs> they start out in Fantan Alley, but then they make their way through another alley, which actually is haunted. Okay. I, I saw a, um, a short webinar about um, the ghosts we have in the city of Victoria. Oh my God, that place is totally haunted. And um, the alley they end up going down, which you will be hearing about, is actually haunted. There were jail cells um, on either side, kind of lower down, and that alleyway is where prisoners would walk. Um, and some of them actually were hung. Okay. Alrighty. So here we go. I've been practicing reading out loud to Ozzy and he is now has his eyes closed. Okay. There was a loud bang followed by Osmond lunging at me. My arms flung out and my half eaten hot dog popped from my hand. Palms scraped brick. My jaw hit a window ledge, snapping my teeth together and my head back. The brick wall angled and loomed. I hit pavement, flat on my stomach, gasping. Panic closed in and dark splotches spotted the outer edges of my vision. Get up, Osmond shouted. Another bang. He pushed me back down, shielding me with his body. Gun! Screams! Osmond grabbed my arm and hauled me to my feet. Flicks of light darted before my eyes. Get her out of here, the hot dog vendor shouted, running across the street, a gun in his hand. Osmond hauled me, limping, down the sidewalk. People scurried in every direction. Blood trickled down my stinging chin. Osmond pulled me around a corner and a gray and white rolls with its flapping flag screeched to a stop. The passenger doors flew open and men in suits jumped out. Osmond yanked me back and dragged me down another street, weaving between tourists. My breath came out in chunks and I clasped one hand to my ribcage. We dashed through an intersection. Horns blared, brakes squealed. We careened into Bastion Square where Victoria's artisans had set up kiosks. A mother pushing a stroller stepped in front of us. The woman screamed. Osmond dodged her, pulling me with him. My foot caught on an artist's stool, and my ankle buckled, and I fell again. Get up! Osmond yanked on my arm. He kicked the stool down the hill. 
It hit a man before spinning and crashing into a stained glass mirror. I lurched to my feet. Pain shot from my ankle to my stomach. Osmond dragged me, half running, half limping. Tourists and tables bobbed and blurred. I collided with a soap vendor dressed in a tropical print shirt, sending him headfirst into a steel bowl of avocado face cream. He stumbled around, green muck on his sunglasses and cheeks. Another shot rang out, hitting the bowl, spinning it into the air. More people screamed. Osman yanked me back from the kiosk. He pushed between two teenage boys, sprawling both of them into a perfume table. A child wailed. Table umbrellas collapsed. Wire display racks folded. Osman took a set of stairs, two at a time, and dragged me down an alley under a brick buttress-like arch. Liquor bottles rolled at my feet. A crow took off and a flap of black wings. Hell. I was going to hell for all the criminals I had defended. Osmond turned a corner and halted. Dead end. He turned and dragged me back when the mime ran in, ran into the other end of the alley. They're running from this mime. Sorry, I should have told you that. Osmond shoved me behind a garbage bin and crouched. He reached for his gun. The mime's feet slapped on the pavement, his breath fast, short gasps. I sucked in my breath, straightening my leg, trying to ease the pain. I pushed back against the dumpster when a leg slid out from the other side of the darkened alley. Osmond and I were not alone. The mime tripped on the leg and launched into the air like Superman, landing face first with a sickening thud. Osman catapulted to his feet, gun pointed. Don't move. The mime looked up, his face a mess of black and white paint and blood. Arms out. The mime spat out a gob of blood and stretched his arms out. Osman stepped toward him as he reached with one hand to grab his handcuffs from his belt. Who are Osman? I croaked. Jade, not now, but there's the body move. From the other side of the alley. Whoops, I goofed. Hold on. Okay. The body from the other side of the alley moved again. Osmond pivoted, pointing his gun at it. The mime bolted. Okay, Osmond swears here. I'm, I'm not going to say that. Okay, you can read it. Okay, so here we go. Osmond pointed his gun first at the mime, then at the body in the corner. You out. Can't, replied a worn voice have to shoot me. Don't tempt me. Get out. The body moved and a hooded creature slid across the ground into the center of the alley. I slid further along the wall, my back bumping over black bars. Remove the hood. Gnarled fingers reached up and the hood dropped to a man's shoulders, exposing a wrinkled face surrounded by shoulder-length gray hair and a gray beard. Watery eyes squinted through dusty John Lennon glasses. He looked like an elf. Do you know what the hell you just did? Prevented the arrest of a wanted accused? I straightened. Accused? That was prosecutor's jargon. Osmond's arm wavered. Who are you? The elf looked at me. 
I thought you would have known, Jade. And that's when I noticed the stained tabs hanging from around the elf's wrinkled neck. Osmond. He must have seen them, too, because he lowered his gun. Jesus Christ. No. Norman. Norman Bestine. But the locals call me Noxima Man. Okay, we're going to take a little bit of an interlude, and we will be right back. Okay, we're back. Now, in that scene, the, the scent of sight, we mentioned half-eaten hot dog, um, the, the black and white paint on the mime's face, and the blood. That, that's, quite a, that's quite a contrast, black, white, and red, okay? Um, touch, palm scraped brick. Blood trickled down my stinging chin. Um, the other thing, um, I'm a person where if I stand up too fast, I see like spots or I see like flicks of light. So that's that's what's happening to my heroine, Jade. Okay. Sound. Horns blared. Brakes squealed. Mime's feet slapped on the pavement. Slapped is an is a verb, is a, is slapped is such a verb, okay? Um, another one, my jaw hit a window ledge, snapping my teeth together and my head back. Okay, again, sound, we all, we, God, we, I've done it, I'm sure we've all done it when our, our teeth snap together. So there are three senses in that scene. Um, I don't know, maybe I could have done taste. I, I kind of wanted to stay away from taste of blood because I think that's done, um, that's been done a lot. Smell, uh, yeah, maybe I could have put in like the smell of garbage or, you know, smell. But I'm also trying to think, now, you, and you guys may disagree, but I'm, tr I'm trying to be in the moment. So Jade's running. She's tripping, she's falling, she's hurt herself. What is she going to experience at that moment? Okay. So that's my example. Now, just a few, last few things about um, writing scenes. So when I write scenes, they won't be in order. Okay. They're not in order at all. I may write a scene from the beginning. Uh, jump to three quarters of the way um, through the book, back in the middle, something else. It, it's whatever comes to me as I'm walking, you know, as well as I used to walk to and from work. Um, and also, I still work full time. So I'm trying to capitalize on that time I have to write. Okay, I don't want to be using up my time thinking, oh, now what? I've written chapter one. How am I going to get to chapter two? No, I, I, I'll write that scene and the next scene that comes to me, even if it's not in order. Later, I can weave those scenes together, you know, into, and making it and putting it in some sort of order. And that's where, you know, once those scenes all get together, 
It's usually after my first draft. Then I'll read it again and I'll see where I need to slow down the pace or whether I've just jumped from A to B and I need to kind of put a, uh, maybe it's something like it's called a transition scene or a transition in there. Um, but I will also, I will get rid of any unnecessary or redundant writing, okay? Because I, I remember learning if my scene doesn't demonstrate character development or move the story forward, it's out, okay? And that is how I write a novel. Okay, so I hope this segment is helpful. Uh, one day, I will actually take my podcast training wheels off and broadcast live. And by doing this, this allows me to send out a link to listeners so they can send me questions. Now, before we finish, I have one more announcement. I have launched this podcast website. It's jcvartstudio.net jcvartstudio.net It is now live and that's where you'll find this podcast and our previous podcasts and you have various ways of contacting me. Now this is where I need your help. If you're able to email me a, a review of this podcast, that would be great. And the reason why I'm asking for a review is because I need reviews to make up my press kit. My press kit, when I get more followers um, and more episodes, my press kit, I then forward to podcast reviewers in New York and around the world. I never knew such a thing existed, okay? So your podcast gets reviewed, it's exposure. And the more exposure I receive, the more exposure every one of my guests receive. So I want to share a few analytics from my podcasts. I thought you guys might find this interesting. 64% of my listeners are between the age of 28 and 34. Ozzy's awake. Okay. And I'm warning you, he's now um, on patrol, pushed aside the curtains, and is looking outside the window. Okay, so just warning you. Okay, 64% of my listeners are between the age of 28 and 34. 18% are between 45, they are between the ages of 45 and 59 and 18% are in the age group 60 plus. Okay, so again, the amazing authors and artists who were featured in October, their podcast can be found on the website and there's a little information about me. I want to thank Winona Kent, J.E. Jane Barnard, and Rachel Irby for their faith in me. Next month, November. Well, I shouldn't say next month. Gosh, that's tomorrow. Um, men are going to be taking over the airtime. And we will be starting with Brian Richmond of Blue Devil Books from the UK. We're going to be testing out uh, our link. Um, you know what to do. 
please subscribe, follow, or share this podcast on your social media. Please drop me an email. That would be great. So thank you to the, you know, the listeners. Thank you for tuning in. Everyone stay safe, stay healthy, and happy Halloween. Bye-bye. Thank you.